my mom to domestic violence at six. I went to a juvenile detention center when I was nine. My father passed away in prison when I was 12. Statistics say I should be a dropout, drug addict, in prison, or dead. Options, right? You, you get to see, do you want to be the guy on the train begging for change, or do you want to be the guy theoretically in a suit going to work, right? Just using that as an example. So, so having clear examples of what I didn't want to be was a, was a good motivator too. Eight day, eight day trek, uh, Kilimanjaro, Mount Everest was even longer Then you had, uh, you know, you had to wear spikes on your shoes for the Greenland marathon. But yet the hardest thing you've done was the ayahuasca ceremony. By far. Why? Hey, it's like getting 10 years of therapy in one session. And I tell you, I, I was like, sign me up. Um, yeah, I got, I got exactly not what I wanted, but what I needed. Welcome to the Maestre Mentality Podcast, where I get to interview some of the dopest individuals that I've met through this amazing journey of life. Individuals with the most amazing stories and plenty of lessons to share. Every single person that we have one thing in common that has brought us together. We all have a love for boxing, but it's always been bigger than boxing. On that note, let's get into these stories. I ran up a check, I might do it again. Enemies close, have me thinking they're friends. Ten toes down, I'll be free until the end. Crib outside the city, I don't feel safe in my ass. Took so many years, I'm just waiting for the- They say the relationship you build with somebody in the boxing ring is unlike anything else. Today's guest is somebody who I consider my brother, if not more. Brothers not by blood, but by the amount of rounds we have put in together in the boxing ring. Somebody who I could go full on 100% during a sparring match trying to kill each other, but immediately followed up with a deep ass conversation as we hit the deli and walk to the F train. Today's guest is somebody that I truly look up to and respect. Not just a professional boxer, but so much more. Somebody that had to overcome major trauma at a young age, losing his parents and being set up for failure. Somebody that truly has overcome and can, will continue to overcome challenges. Now he spends his day sharing his light, his passion, his story with thousands across New York City, all while seeking out the craziest challenges in order to elevate himself. Mount Everest, Kilimanjaro, marathons in Greenland, the list goes on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to have my brother, Brian Cubero, on today's episode of My Estre Mentality. What's up, B? My man, I love it when I hear the English version of Cubero. <laughs> my man, what's <laughs> right. going on, my brother? I'm the worst. Okay, let me know how to pr properly pronounce it. I'll let We're the world give you, know. We'll give you three shots. But I got a feeling because you got the S I down pack from Joan back in the day. It's Cubero, Cubero. <laughs> Cubero. Cubero. <laughs> uh, that, I'll take that, man. How how are you doing, brother? I haven't seen you since pre-pandemic. Yeah. You've been you've been doing some some great things. I've been following obviously on social social and everything. Um, just tell me how you how you doing, bro? Like it's been a hell of a good. minute, man. Life is uh it's crazy because usually you know you say a lot has changed since we last we last seen each other. But that cliche, you know, that saying is really true now, man. You know, twenty twenty mm -hmm. was yeah. That's when you left to to Cali. You know, as soon as the the, the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we moved yeah, to so California, it's and, and it's now twenty twenty two. Yo, which is wild because it's it's October twenty twenty two. It's about to be twenty twenty three, and it felt like the beginning pre pandemic end of two thousand nine. It felt like that was yesterday. Yeah, bro. Like uh, Thomas, it's crazy. 
Like you, you had just ran the New York City Marathon in 2019. I remember that. Yeah, and, yeah, um, that was uh, that's right. Like wow. that felt like yesterday. Now it's almost three years, and so much has changed, man. You got another baby here. It's crazy. So it's Cali, crazy. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's crazy. Um, well, let's get into this first question then. We'll, we'll e- I like easing the audience to uh, into everything, Word. letting them kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, talk about where you were born, where'd you grow up, and um, ultimately, how did you end up um, at the boxing gym where we met, the world famous Gleason's gym in Brooklyn? You know, give them give right. them a little backstory on all that. Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised here in Brooklyn, New York, where uh, where Gleason's is, and um, yeah, growing up here has always been. Uh, it's funny, man. Boxing seems to be now that I'm in the boxing community, it's hard to not see boxing in New York. Like every boxing's everywhere, but growing up, that certainly wasn't the case. You know. I think you had Chuck on in the first episode. He was uh, uh, chasing the baseball dream as well. And that's what I was doing growing up, you know. So the journey was baseball, baseball, baseball. Eventually, that, you know, that didn't click for me. So um was kind of lost, to be honest. It was like a year and a half, I remember, like, looking back, where I was just kind of going through the motions, going to work, coming home. And, um, yeah, eventually, long story short, a, a friend of mine was like, hey, look, you need to come join the gym. He was at Gleason's. And uh, I was working with him at Equinox. And uh, it's funny, man. That's the first the first boxing gym I was exposed to and the first boxing coach that I was exposed to. What are the odds that one is world-renowned this gym? Spoiled. And two, Spoiled. what are the odds that you get Joan <laughs> Guzman as your first coach, no? And, um, and, yeah, ultimately, that's what we linked up. Yeah. That's that's crazy you say that because how I met Joan, I wasn't even living in New York yet. Um, Annie was living there, and I was coming to visit – and I was like, oh, I got to work out this week. So I literally just walked into Gleason's. And I remember if you, not Don, the trainer, but OG Don, who would work the desk. I went up right. to him. I was like, hey, is there a trainer I could work with today? He's like, oh, yeah, actually, uh, I got somebody for you right here. And Joan had just, I think he was still competing at the time, but just about to retire. And Joan was in there. He's like, oh, yeah, you could train with me. And then we trained one day. And he was like, oh, bring uh, your sparring gear. Bring some tomorrow. Uh, you can spar me. <laughs> he, uh, he beat the brakes off of me, bro. Sparring the next day. And uh, I, I fell in love with him and his coaching. And, and I ended up moving to New York a few months later. And, and I think this was at the time you, you and him started working together, too, is when he right. was just starting, when he just retired. And, um, you know, we developed all together him as a, he developed him as a coach from a fighter right, to, a, to an right. amazing coach True, <laughs> using us as his experiments. Right. And I got to tell you, man, <laughs> for his first try, you know, looking back, I actually hadn't thought about that. Now that you put that, you put that out there, looking back, man, it's like having your first kid, you're going to make some mistakes, I'd imagine. But uh, I think he did a really, really good job. I mean, considering how we turned out from a skill perspective oh, and mentality oh, from a, Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and and definitely his impact is felt through the boxing world, not just through himself, but through us, his, right. um, his students. Right. And we got to get him on here on the uh, on the show soon. That'll be amazing. Maybe man. you come on and translate, like bro. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> right. I got to pay me for that. Um, so, so, okay. So you, you grew up in Brooklyn, all right? And, and baseball was your thing. When did you stop playing baseball? College? Was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was right in uh, the third year of college. I was so committed to the dream. Jay, I didn't even finish my last year. So I'm a college dropout, third year, playing baseball, chasing the dream. And um, at the time, to give you context, I wasn't working. I had like a small inheritance when my uh, my dad passed away. When I turned 18, I was using that money to kind of bridge the dream between 
you know, trying to get there from today, hopefully wow. I had that money to sustain me until I made it. Long story short, I was dead broke on my ass. Uh, the baseball dream fell apart. So this was like at 2021, 20, I was turning 22, uh, senior year in college. And um, yeah, man, so I was chasing the dream all the way. And then that year was when, you know, it, it just, it clicked. It wasn't happening for me. I'm going to these tryouts. I'm seeing guys that are, you know, Six six years younger than me, 16, 17, throwing 90 miles an hour, left-handed, curveball, splitters. Wow. Changing. I'm like, man, and I'm, you know, at my best day, it was 88, 89 if I was lucky, you know. And so I just fell short. And it was a, it was a big eye-opening experience, like the kind of talent that's required to to, to get into the to the major leagues. And That's um, crazy. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 please, please go ahead. I'm just reflecting on, on, on the fact that, you know, in Brooklyn, there's a, there's a lot of phenomenal athletes in Brooklyn and in New York, and you're exposed to that at an early age. But even past that, once you're at the collegiate level, nothing right. could really prepare you for that. And then imagine the national level, right? So I was hearing you talk about, you know, the, the journey you have with basketball. It's similar, right? As you continue to grow your circle, you play high school ball, college ball, then you realize like, wow, you actually, there's a, there's a big pool of extremely talented people out there. And not that you shouldn't, not that that should deter you from wanting to dream big and, and, and thinking that it's possible, but there comes a point where you do have to assess objectively, like, what do I have and what is required? And that time came for me yeah. and I, I fell short. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't born to be over six foot. My vert wasn't that good. Yeah. You know, um, it, these these sports take a certain athletic ability and 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 size and gifts to to execute on. And granted, you have like you know your Steph Curry's and and ones that that break past that. But um, the the statistics they 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 make it a lot harder for us to to do that. And you 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 have you come to a road. And you say, okay, I'm going to keep going and pursue this, or I'm going to pivot, adapt, and be great right. at something else. It's not just That's stopping word, at, at nothing. So um, you mentioned, okay, moving on to the next question. Um, you mentioned that inheritance from your from your father passing away. So, And it's crazy, like before we even started recording, we were just talking about your incredible story and 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 how not not a lot of people know this, but I reread this from your uh, social post you posted um, years ago. But just, let me let me read the quote or the caption. It says, "You, I lost my mom to domestic violence at six. I went to a juvenile detention center when I was nine. My father passed away in prison when I was twelve. Statistics say I should be a dropout, drug addict, in prison, or dead. And I mean." Those are strong statistics to, to, to go through all that at a young, young age. But you're none of that, bro. You're not even close. Take me from the start of overcoming that journey and when you, when you decided you didn't want to be another statistic. You know, I thought about that question. You sent me, you know, a list of questions to think about just to kind of get the conversation going in my head. And, uh, man, I got to say, I'd be lying if I didn't start with the first and most important of all those of all the reasons that I might I might list after this, um, there's a lot to say about luck in your life, right? Like you don't decide the parents you're born to, the country you happen to be born in. There's a lot that you have no say in, right? How tall you are. We talked about athletic abilities. Um, I had no say in the luck that was blessed that I was blessed with when it comes to the people in my life that that stepped up. And these people had no blood, no, no relation, no kin, right? Like these are people that you could, you could, you can call strangers. As a matter of fact, one person, my half brother's mother, this is a former ex-wife of my father. Um, 
she takes me in, right? Somebody that's not even blood. She took me in and that was a home wow. for five or six years. Imagine that, right? To have that kind of heart, wow. to have that kind of spirit where you take in the son of your ex-husband's now current wife, you know? So I had a lot of, uh, there was a lot of blessings that I had no say in, right? People that came into my life that I was very lucky to have take care of me. Um, now, with all that said, um, yeah, there's, 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 there's a couple things there, right? So you mentioned what, what made me realize that I did not want to be a statistic. I think early on, I was, I was well aware of how fast or how costly uh, mistakes could be. Right? So if you think about what you said before, I lost my mom to domestic violence. My dad made a mistake in the heat of a moment. Right? He, he decided, or he didn't decide, actually. He, he probably just acted. Right? He didn't think. Um, so yeah, I, I really I learned early on, very early. Uh, that your mistakes have a price <laughs> attached to them, right? Whether it's you pay with your life, you know, if, if you get into a scuffle and your life could end there, right? Is it worth that? Or it could also end by you doing something stupid and then you have to go to prison, right? So I think that it wasn't something I, I consciously think about, right? Like no seven, eight, nine-year-old walks around thinking don't don't go to jail. or But it was something that was like beneath thinking level where I knew like I had to be really careful because life is very real. You know, like there's, there's prices to pay for things. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, as you get older, man, you know, as you start to, to develop your, your identity, you, you start to develop your cognitive functions a little bit, you start to think, and you start to see, quite honestly, what you, what you don't want to be, right? There's a lot of people. New York is a great, it's a great reflector to you where there's options, right? You, you get to see, do you want to be the guy on the train begging for change, or do you want to be the guy theoretically in a suit going to work, right? Just using that as an example. So, so having clear examples of what I didn't want to be was a, was a good motivator too, you know? Wow. So, I mean, that's, first of all, that's incredible that she took you in at that, Unbelievable. At that time. And, and so you credit it to the luck of, of the people you were surrounded with and taking you in at that moment, but also understanding reality and how crazy it is to, to experience the reality of what the world is and what it can become at such an early age. Like that, that can have, and I talked about it on the last episode with, with Christina is, is, is witnessing like your parents splitting at a young age. And, and I see my son, three years old, he picks up on everything. He remember, oh, yeah. he has better memory than I do. Mm -hmm. and, and the <laughs> things that I do around him shapes his habits. But the things that happen around you shaped your habits for the better was it always for the better off the bat or were, were, were you falling into some some shit you know when, when things started going down oh dude i'd be lying if i tell you uh, you know that, that that it was all good and no bad i think everything has duality right i mean if we just use the the example that you just brought up of being a father i'm sure i can't imagine how wonderful it is but it comes with responsibility there's a duality to things right it's not all good no mm -hmm. bad um for sure this there was a lot of a lot of bad man i you know I think at that age, any, any kid who, who you talk to who's gone through some stuff, they don't necessarily have the ability to articulate what they're thinking or what they're feeling and things like that. But they do find ways, other ways to express how they feel or to suppress, right? Then you have the quiet kid in the corner who doesn't want to talk to anybody. I was more of like, I'm going to go out there and cause damage. You know, like, mm. I, uh, well, not paint, damage. Paint that, picture a little, paint that picture a little bit more. Give some examples of, of yeah. you know, I'm sure some people could relate to, to the, them when they were getting into trouble at a young age and rebelling because they're unhappy about certain things. You know, share some of that then. No doubt. I think uh, 
if I if I just use one example, I think this is the uh, you brought that up in the quote that you that you have from the post that I put up uh, the juvenile the juvenile detention uh, piece of it. You know, it's funny looking back on life, man. Things make sense. They, I think we everybody says this. Things are in hindsight, things are twenty twenty, right? As you reflect back on your life, things make sense. In the moment, I didn't realize. Let's give you the story first just to give context to the kind of things that the, the ways that I rebelled or the ways that I misbehaved to try to get attention from people. Um, it really is love, right? That's all, that's all it is that I was seeking was connection and somebody to, 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 to say that they cared, somebody that, that saw me, right? So I'll give you context. At the time I was living in Florida with a, a friend of my mom and uh, I had an older cousin there. When you're Spanish, everybody's a cousin, but he wasn't really a cousin. He was obviously <laughs> her son, but we're, we're cousins now, right? We live together. So he was uh, maybe four years older than me. And at the time, it was really cool to smoke. I was like nine years old at this time. And it was really cool to smoke. So he's like, what, 14, 13. He's smoking cigarettes. It's a cool thing to do. I used to wear his clothes, of course, trying to model him and be cool like him. So one day, I'm wearing his pants. I'm in school. I'm in detention center, of course, uh, after school. And uh, the only one there that day, there's usually other kids that are there with you. But that day I was by myself. It was close to the end of the detention and I was re- getting ready to leave. Uh, so I go to the bathroom, I use the bathroom, wash my hands. And of course I don't use the towels to wipe my hands. I just wash my hands or dry my hands on my jeans, like rubbing them down my legs. And I felt a lighter in my pocket. And it's funny, man, like this is, this is another thing. They've done studies on this. Like when you, early on in your childhood, when you go through traumatic experiences you 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 struggle with impulsiveness right like th- that part of your brain just doesn't work as well as it should and i was very impulsive i didn't think through at all i took the lighter i grabbed the piece of paper light it on fire the thing went up like really fast i didn't expect it to light up that fast bro it drops in the garbage can the whole garbage can goes up on fire now i'm taking oh, water no. from the toilet bro i'm scooping water from the toilet trying to put the thing out <laughs> long story short the 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 little the little fire alarms go off the 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 water uh, sprinkler things so now this water sprinkler going off the bells are all going off i ran out of there and uh, it was a friday come monday morning of course like this completely went past me uh, you know this whole weekend uh come into class we're taking the chairs off the desk and uh brother principal called me over to the corner she was in uh, at the door of the of the classroom with two two police officers and I wasn't processing. I wasn't putting like one, you know, one on one together. Long story short, that was the beginning of a, of a little three month <laughs> detention center, uh, a stint that I did. But, um, Damn, yeah, that was they, just one they of the ways you were man. trying to burn the school down. <laughs> Dude. Yo, yeah. look, I don't think I could actually burn it down. I don't know if it was that big a fire, but that's, yeah, that's what they charged me with. It was arson, right? Like nine years old and mm-hmm. you're charged with arson. Crazy. wild bro and then it's crazy so you're rocking uh your quote-unquote cousin's clothes and stuff but even like the little things affecting you like the people you're surrounding yourself with and 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 obviously he was smoking a lot keeping keeping the lighters on him and and it inadvertently affected you you were just trying to rock his clothes 100%. you weren't even trying to smoke <laughs> at the time and you were just rocking his clothes but he had a lighter in there and you're playing with the lighter and you almost lit the whole damn school on fire and, and I bet, you know, like, again, it's not like I thought through that at the time, but there's no doubt in my mind, looking back, that that was a form of me trying to get some attention, you know, whether it's from the, mm-hmm. the kids at the school, whatever the case is, that, that was just a form of seeking attention. It wasn't that I was inherently a bad kid, you know, looking yeah. back, I don't think I was a bad kid per se, but I was looking, I was looking for attention in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. 
No. And you were shaped that way because of the realities that hit you when it came to what happened with the, with your parents and everything. Right. Um, that it goes to show, like, even at the youngest age, like, we become our environment, who we surround ourselves with then. And unfortunately, we don't have control on who we surround ourselves with at the at the age at, at right, being a right. kid but now now we do so that's a that's a story as as well as as is right there so exactly. was there a certain certain point where, when you were a kid where you realized you know i'm gonna take the things that has happened to me and and i'm not going to conform or did it just kind of happen over time was there a certain moment that that made you be like brian like don't fall into the statistic yeah, I think for sure. I think uh, when the baseball journey originally started, probably around 11 is when that uh, – mm. and that's the power of sports, man. You know, it, I'm not sure what I would have done without that dream in front of me to, 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 to push me forward to become something better than what I should have been. You know, like mm. – yeah, and then, and then well, I was going to go into the, into, into the boxing journey and how that connected because it's the same concept, right? Like you – you're constantly presented with choices of what you could be if you if you allow yourself to fall right into certain traps and pits and etc. Or what you could be if you if you get your shit together, right? If you get your act together, if you have something to chase, a dream to pursue. Um, yeah, so that's when it started for me was 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 baseball. It was around eleven or twelve? I realized that, you know I don't want to be, and I didn't know these statistics. You know, now looking back, I'm like I can't believe I made it. <laughs> Right, like that, yeah, these statistics right. I didn't know at the time, you know, but I did know that it, things could be very bad very easily, you know, like seeing just my friends my, in my very close circle, people at very young ages doing very stupid things that they had to pay for for a long time for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's why go through why go through that yourself when it's literally right in front of your eyes, learn from them, right? It's the easiest way, right? You don't got to go through hard things Whoa. yourself. Last thing on the baseball like thing, what what brought that you know to your, your to what made that a dream for you? Did you just see some? You started watching on TV and you were like, I want to get good at baseball. Is that yeah? What it it's was? funny how life works. Now I think uh, sometimes you know they say things don't happen by coincidence. I'm not sure if they do or they do. Or, you know they don't. I'm not I'm not gonna argue that. But I, I will say, um, yeah, it was kind of kind of strange how it happened. So at the time I was living with uh, the. I call her my grandma. She's not really my grandma, but I was living. It's my father's ex-wife, my ex-brothers, excuse me, my half-brothers. Uh, you got good people looking after you, man. You Incredibly went from literally, people, the, the, this is the third person that was at a random that, that started right. looking out for you. That, and that, there were more. What a blessing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so she at the time, incredibly big heart. So she takes in not only me, who's again, no, no, of no blood relation to her. She takes in also a friend of hers who's in, in Dominican Republic, he was sick. He had a couple kids. He could only take care of two that were in Dominican Republic. She takes in another kid. He's the same age as me, Raphael. And we become cousins, right? So now mm -hmm. it's not it's me, my cousin, so to speak, living together, and uh, my, my half-brother's mother. And he was the baseball player. He came from Dominican Republic here, and he had already been exposed to baseball in the Dominican Republic. So he comes back, and he needs a buddy to play catch with. And uh, long story short, man, I was I was hooked. Similar to I'm sure you know how the boxing journey started for you. Once you touch it, you know there's some things you start and you you become obsessed. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, and the way that all lined up, and for Rafael to to, to come through and you know share baseball with you, and then ends up leading you 
to that. So just to recap on, on, on everything so far, you know, you, you lose your parents at an early age. You should have became a statistic, but somehow people looked out for you. Random people looked out for you, went through, you know, what you could call luck and a blessing, which right, other people would right. think negatively on, on, on that. But no, you looked at it as a positive. You had blessings, you had luck, people looking out for you. And that led you to your love for baseball. Your love for baseball turned into a love for boxing, you know, after college. And now you're doing the, the craziest things, which leads me to my third question. I mean, you went from the challenge of becoming a professional fighter, a good fighter, undefeated. <laughs> my <you know>? man. <laughs> <laughs> That's an extreme challenge. That. I'm going to keep but... that title because I'm retired. That's it, yeah, undefeated. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. That's, That's all. Fine. Hey, you've done, you've done what 99.9% of people will never do in boxing. And not just in boxing, but all these other challenges that I'm about to list off right here. Um, you went from running the New York City Marathon to climbing Mount Everest to climbing Kilimanjaro. You ran another marathon through the ice and snow in Greenland. You even did an ayahuasca ceremony in Brazil. I mean, where, where did the desire for taking it to, to, to this now, from baseball to boxing to the, these, these crazy challenges? You know, it's funny, man, when I hear people uh, put it that way, because I've had a couple of people say, oh, my God, you're doing such crazy stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'd argue boxing is is far crazier than anything you just listed. <laughs> right. To stand toe to toe with somebody, you know, face to face. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about this off the before we started recording off the air a little bit. Um, you know, I think what drove me to do this, I think, is what drives well, maybe not what drives, but certainly what is within everybody, which is the desire to be the best you you can possibly be, the, the, to fulfill your fullest potential in whatever form that looks. Right? And I think there's a lot of ways to do that. I don't think, you know, as they say, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Some people, you know, find it through yoga or whatever it is, you know, running marathons or boxing. And this is, you know, for me, ex doing extreme things or maybe to some, this may not be extreme, but for me, it's extreme, right? Some of these things you listen, it, it, it's really bro, hard for me. It, it, It's extreme. <laughs> yeah. These are extreme, bro. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think you can relate to this, man. I think adversity, difficult things are such a great teacher for you. You know, and if you can put yourself in situations that are very hard intentionally, um, there's a lot of growth out of that. You know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot on the other side of whatever it is you're putting yourself through. And I think it's worth to go through the things, you know, they're going to mm -hmm. suck. They're going to hurt. They're going to be hard. You might get hurt, you know, whether we're talking physically or, or just, you know, from a, a spiritual bruise, so to speak, but, um, absolutely worth it. So that's why I do it. You know, I know that these hard things are great teachers for me. Oh, that, that's incredible. And I mean, you said, you know, you compared these extreme things, these extreme races and, and adventures and journeys to boxing and how crazy it is to stand toe to toe with somebody and, and go at it. But honestly, in my opinion, I'm going to go the opposite of that. I think it's even more difficult to stand toe to toe with yourself and to, and to confront those things about yourself. It's easy for me to, to, to stand in front of somebody and, 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 and go toe to toe with you and throw hands with you. And maybe you're better than me and prove why I'm better than you, but it's harder in my opinion to stand in front of yourself and be like, what's wrong with me? What can mm. I do better with myself? Right. You know, why, why am I the way I am? How can right. I make myself better? That, that's a hard, hard thing to do, brother. And that's and, the beautiful and... thing about boxing, though, because no? <laughs> yeah. it presents you with that opportunity, right? Like to, to, to not just confront the guy in front of you, but like you said, to confront you, right? Like what are you afraid mm -hmm. of, right? Like 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible, what's, what's the word? Not platform, but it's a, yeah, a great opportunity to, to, to flex yeah. that muscle, so to speak. You know, the me versus me. Yeah, muscle, that, really. that, that you've, it really is. And as, as you know, it's kind of been marketed through so many things and commercialized a little bit, but it really is you versus you um, in all things, boxing, sports, life in general. It, it really takes you to look inward. And, you know, Christina from the last episode weighed in heavily on, on, on looking inward and recognizing what are those things about me that I don't like that I want to improve on. And, and in turn, that gains the energy and the respect from others around you. And it, it affects so many things. Um, and the respect yeah, you have to for yourself it. too, right? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What was the hardest out of, out of all of them, man? Take, take <laughs> me through the... <laughs> hardest, man. You know, it's funny, man. Out of all of those, I would say the physical stuff, man, is, is easy. Right? Like, I think you could relate mm-hmm. to this. It's, it's Once you do... At least once you box at the level, I think, and I'm not to say that I'm a world-class level boxer, but I've certainly been with world-class level trainers yeah. and, and, and other fighters. And I think we've pushed ourselves at a level that's, that's on par, at least with mm-hmm. the professional level. So, so you know, once you, once you push yourself to that degree, the physical stuff, I think, is, is easy. You know, running, whatever, you climbing. The hardest of those would be the ayahuasca stuff because it goes back to what you said. It, wow. It, it forces you to, to sit. And, and 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 reflect and look at you and parts of you that you don't like, parts of you that you want to put away and hide. You know that's hard. Wow, that's hard. Okay, okay. So so let, let's 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 review this really quick. Kilimanjaro. How long did that take you? That was uh that was like an eight day. They they gave you options. It was like five, six, seven. But the longer you take, the more chances you have to acclimatize as you go up. So I took the longest. It was eight days and still struggled. Eight days. Yeah. So I don't okay, know how people a- Everett. Do Everest, how long did that take you? Yeah, so that was uh, that was a little longer. It took us like two weeks just to get to the base camp of Everest, which was like a seventeen thousand, like seven hundred feet. And then uh, from that base camp, we had to run down a marathon, uh, another twenty six point <laughs> two miles from the base camp, and that that took ten hours and a, and forty minutes. That was ten forty. That was crazy. Just to go down, just to go down. Yeah, down, bro. It was not down. There was, it was like, it was like you go up crazy steep and you go down crazy steep. You go up, cra- so it, it, yeah, it didn't feel like down for sure. Okay, Green Greenland looked crazy. The content from that, you ran a full marathon through through ice and snow. How long did that take you? Yeah, that was a crazy time. We did a that was like a six hour total race. The tough part was though, like a. a Maybe a quarter of it, twenty five percent, was on this ice cap, and you had to wear these spikes in the bottom of your feet. That uh, was just hard to like, you know, to grip the surface. So you're working muscles. You, you know, how do you train for that? What we, you know, Central Park. Uh, you know, there's no uh, crazy eight eight day eight day trek. Uh, Kilimanjaro, Mount Everest was even longer. Then you had, uh, you know, you had to wear spikes on your shoes for the Greenland Marathon. Yeah. But yet, the hardest thing you've done was the ayahuasca ceremony. By far, Why? and the the yeah, not only the hardest but the most rewarding, right? Because all these things are rewarding in their own way too. Right? Like they're hard, but they're they're very satisfying, right? So the reason the the ayahuasca was the hardest, and this this may or may not get uh <laughs> get too deep for for the for the vid, but I, no, I'm, I'm gonna share please, it anyway. Go, go, do it, bro, do it. That's what yeah. it's for. Um, you know, so the ayahuasca ceremony was uh yeah, what made it really challenging. Well, we'll just start with the basic stuff, the, the the simple difficulties, right? So you're you're basically in the jungle. You don't have any of the comforts that you're used to, right? You're in these little 
bungalow style, uh, you know, single cot on wood type of arrangements. And uh, it was all vegan food. There's no coffee. There's no food with salt. There was no sugar allowed. So if we're just talking surface level discomfort, right? Like that's, that's hard. I love meat. I love coffee. You know, all mm-hmm. these things that I can't have here, right? And you're in a foreign country in Brazil where the food is very different from what I'm used to eating. So we have that that level of difficulty um, that was hard. And then, yeah, the actual ceremonies, and I'll just kind of go through them quickly. There was four total ceremonies, but the first two were a bust. You know, I, I, had, I had come into it anticipating this incredible experience from what I'd heard. You know, I was expecting explosions of colors and incredible <laughs> insights, you know, enlightenment, you know, and that none of that happened the first two nights. But um, on the third night, you know, it's funny about ayahuasca. They say it's like getting 10 years of therapy in one session. And I tell you, I, I was like, sign me up, you know, because I got a lot of shit here and, and, and I got very little time to work on this. So if I can just get this done. So that's what I was hoping for. And, you know, the first two nights, it didn't happen. And then uh, on the third night, um. Yeah, I got I got exactly not what I wanted, but what I needed. You know, there was a I'm not sure if you or the audience know as much about ayahuasca, but just and I'm not an expert either. So I'll just kind of briefly uh, touch on what the experience is and, and why people do it. It's used more of like a therapeutic setting. Right. So you're supposed to have intention behind why it is you're taking this psychedelic. Right. Because that's what it is. I forgot what it might be DMT. That meant the tryptamine. I forgot what it is that's, that 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 it has in it that causes the uh, the hallucination, so to speak. But anyway, it's the it's the plant. I think they they call it of the dead souls, where you're supposed to essentially be able be able to contact uh, spirits. Whether you know these are people that you know personally that have passed away in your life, um, or otherwise. And anyway, so so my goal was I had come in there with the intention of healing a part of me that still felt obviously very wounded from, from what had happened early on, losing my mom, losing my dad. And um, I wanted to unload this. I wanted to get this off my back. I was tired of carrying it around for so long. Um, and so that was my intention. And so the third night, so I go in there and I'm just hoping for some insights as to how I can, how I can release all this stuff and just move on with my life. And um, yeah, man, it was crazy. There was a purge, you know, you, you take this, this, like small dose. It almost feels like, remember Pepto-Bismol back in the day, you take like a really little Mm -hmm. tiny bit. And um, yeah, so I took a little tiny dose and I'm sitting there, you know, we sit in this circle, it's dark, all the lights are off. There's this really powerful, I'm not even sure how to describe it. Uh, What's it called? Sanskrit. That's what it's called. Sanskrit music. I'm not sure if you heard of Sanskrit music, but um, it's Mm -hmm. it's the wild. The music is taking on this journey and then all of a sudden, the ayahuasca kicks in and, um, you know, I'm in this field. My mom is there. I have this really deep and I won't go too much into the actual experience, but I had this really deep experience, man, where I'm, you know, I'm in contact with my mom. I'm in contact with my dad and, and I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting in contact with, with things that I had put away for a long time and, and, you know, having these visions and memories I hadn't had for a long time, maybe because I just blocked, blocked them off and, didn't want to feel them. Um, but yeah, man, that was a, that was a wild experience. You know, the next day it was a lot to unpack, you know, and, and it was really hard, especially because I was sober and lucid to, 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 to write down all the things that I experienced. And, um, yeah, it, it was hard 
just to get back to the question, because I don't want to get off on a tangent here. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. No, ayahuasca is, ceremony. I'm getting goose goosebumps. You sharing like it finally hits you that third night, and you're in a field talking with your parents. Like, wild man. And I will tell you, it seemed more that's real. Wild. We've all. Everybody has dreams, you know. And it's not to say dreams are real in a weird way, right? They're real because they happen. They, they're actually real. They're just not real in the real in the sense that we talk about real, like reality, right? Like yeah. dreams are very real, right? We know that if you dream, you can have physiological reactions to the dream you were having, right? You wake up, your heart's racing, mm. breathing heavy, sweating. Mm. So that experience, man, it felt more real than anything real that I've ever been a part of, like wow. more real than reality, man. And, and you know, bro, it's, it's, it sounds like such a cliche, but after that day, like once I came back from that trip, I have barely given a thought to all the things that I had running through my mind that, that, that were connected with that kind of, yeah, despair. That's, there's no other way to put it, you know, mm-hmm. like carrying around mm-hmm. a big fucking bag of bricks. Each one had, mm-hmm. you know, the word despair on it, you know? And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was the, the, the greatest blessing, but again, the hardest thing, right. And, and that's a common theme. The harder things, the harder the experience you tend to go through, the more you typically get out of it. That's what I've mm-hmm. noticed in my experience. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, it, it goes back to something you said earlier and we talked about earlier, just facing ourselves, strip down everything, man. You went full sober from everything, not even salt, no coffee, nothing. You did the ceremony and you dealt with, with something that, that you, you haven't dealt, haven't been wanting to deal, deal with in a minute. Right. right. And it, it, you faced it face to face and you got the most out of it. So, uh, um, I'm assuming the conversation went well, right in the field. Oh, bro, it was uh, it's it's crazy. It was uh, I wouldn't even say it was a conversation. It was literally like two words just repeated over and over. You know, it was like it's okay, you can let go, right? It's like it was just that that mm-hmm. me- it, it was. It's incredible, man. Just like you know how you can be beside somebody, and without words necessarily being spoken, you can just there, there's there's like a a dialogue that happens between people that you don't need words to communicate, you know, and there was so much spoken without being said when I was there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It was, uh, it was a wild experience, man. That's incredible. Highly recommend it for everybody, by the way. I highly recommend it for everybody. I mean, I'm I'm definitely interested in going down that path and journey. And that's why I was looking forward to asking you about it and talking, talking with you about it. So many people I know like, Others are kind of commercializing it and selling right, it right. as these experience, but you want to experience it at the most authentic and purest form like you 100%, did. And man. was there was there a difference why the third night hit and the first two didn't? Was there a mindset shift before that or you know it's funny? I think, you know, I spoke to the uh to the shaman after the uh the the whole I should have done this sooner, but I spoke to her after that third session and she mentioned it mentioned to me that I probably should have followed the diet leading up to the to the ceremonies. So you're supposed wow. to go, yeah, you're supposed to go no meat, no caffeine, and all these other things that they give you a list of. You're not supposed to have them for like two weeks leading up to the ayahuasca event oh, to sort of cleanse your body. Okay. I'm not too okay. sure of the, uh, the chemicals and stuff, but there's apparently uh, uh, some some compounds in the, in, in, the, in the protein of meat and stuff like that that, that blocks the ayahuasca um, mm-hmm. from working. Yeah, I'm not too sure on the specifics of it, but I think that was it. I think it took... I was what five days in by the time the third night, the third ceremony happened. So five days of eating vegetarian, it probably just cleansed my body out, and so it had a, mm-hmm. a really profound effect. 
So are you are you are you full on vegan now, or you went back to nah, eating meat hell and drinking no. coffee? No, <laughs> no disrespect you to that. Hitting, yeah. yeah, you still be hitting pickles and getting 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 a wrap after it, after dog. traders. I'll be killing it, man. Burgers, fries, yeah. You sure. know, I'm the same, and and it is kind of unfortunate though, like how much chemicals and 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 shit is in the stuff that we put in our body and and i'm definitely a lot more mindful of it now and trying to eat as organic and pure as possible damn bro i love a good burger pizza all in moderation you know of course yeah even moderation (laughs) oh man what a what a thank you for sharing that brother like i mean you've shared some deep deep stuff today and and I really hope it's opened a lot of a lot of people's eyes on and, and motivated people like, look, like you can go through a lot of shitty situations and traumatic stuff, but like constantly take it back to yourself and 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 ask yourself, what do you want to become? Do you want to become, you know, what you, what a negative environment is or do you want to leave that negative environment and and do great things that you've right. done? And wow, I'm like I'm like almost uh at a loss for words nah. um, that the ayahuasca thing was 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 the most difficult challenge that by you far, put yourself man, by through. far you know and, and, and you coming know, you, back from it go ahead no go please go ahead go ahead i was gonna say that you I'm, I'm sure you know everybody could 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 relate to this i think if you if you just use the boxing example right like think about the feeling of a loss we both lost before right as amateurs mm-hmm. we both lost so like think about Talk about facing you, right? Like you, you're, you're on the train heading home or you're in the car driving home, you know, and here you are having to face your shortcomings while you lost, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like that's mm-hmm. harder than the fight. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's the personal stuff, the personal development stuff facing you. I think th- those, they're the hardest things, but like we said before, they're the most rewarding things, you know? And I think it'd be great mm-hmm. if we encourage not just other people, but leading by example, like you do, man, like talk about master mentality, you know? It goes far beyond just doing things, you know. It's important to also practice looking into you and trying to be better and not just always trying to do do better, so to speak. Yeah, no, it's it's as as simple as sitting down in front of that mirror, writing down in a journal, like like how do I feel today? Why do I feel today? And if I don't like how I'm feeling, what are the things that I can do right here, right now to change those as simple as that. And then it branches off into these incredible things that we can do, whether it's an actual fight, golden gloves, professional boxing match, you know, climbing Everest, climbing Kilimanjaro, doing ayahuasca. It it leads into that, but it all starts with just sitting there and having that conversation um, with yourself. The final question, man, um, just to, to wrap this up, one lesson that boxing um, has taught you that you want to share with others. <laughs> one lesson that boxing has taught. That's uh, man, I, I, it's hard to say, right? Because there's uh, there's a lot of good ones in there. There's so many. Right? Yeah, there's a lot big, of good ones in there. No, yeah. Um, could be light, could be deep, don't matter. Yeah. Just what what pops up in your head. I think, man, I'm gonna have to go back to to what I mentioned earlier, man. You know, I think adversity is a great teacher you know and i think boxing that's the that's the greatest lesson that boxing has given me you know it's that it's good for you to do some hard things you should be a little uncomfortable you know you you, you should be reaching farther than you can re- that you can grab sometimes right like and that's that's what i think is, is the best lesson that i i hope others would get out of boxing is that through doing intentional hard things intentionally putting yourself and when I say hard things, it could be as simple as doing a hard workout, right? Like that is good for you. It doesn't mean that you have to go in there and spar somebody, you know, 
just doing something that's difficult, I think, is great for you. And that's the, I think that's the, the greatest lesson boxing has taught me, to lean into hard things that they're good for me. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And again, one small little hard thing, as in doing a boxing workout, leads into you actually competing at an you amateur what I'm saying? level, yeah. which leads to you competing to a professional level, which leads to you doing these crazy, you know, self-seeking adventures, like, or it could just Incredible, lead to you bro. doing the public speaking event that you were always scared to do. You know, like, it's funny, man. I see people, I know you see it as a trainer as well, man. Like, you know, working with people over the years as they go through their boxing journey, you see how it spills out into their lives, right? Like, it's not just that they, they get better at boxing and it stays in that little, you know, vacuum. It's like they get better at life as they get better at boxing. You know, they learn to confront mm-hmm. things that they were scared of or et cetera, right? So, yeah, you're right. It bleeds mm-hmm. out of your life. It's, a, it's an amazing mm-hmm. thing, man. Amazing. And then that's why we preach it to and share it with, with others, man, because there's so much more to it than, than just fighting. Yeah. <laughs> just throwing hands. So it's a small portion of it. Yeah. If anything, what's the right, final thing? What's the last or what's not the last, but what's the next challenge that, that you're looking to pursue <laughs> or are you kind of chilling out for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm always plotting, man. So, but this one, uh, yeah. this one's far away. This is not till, till April, but, uh, it's called the marathon de Sables. Uh, and it's like a six-day uh, uh, ultra marathon that takes place in the mm-hmm. desert. So it's like a self-sufficient. You have to bring your own backpack. Uh, you sleep in tents outside and stuff. You have to bring your cooking utensils. And over six days, you run <laughs> 150, mi- 150 miles. Um, <laughs> yeah. Crazy, huh? It's Every day is like a insane. marathon. You do 27, like 30 miles some days. But, um, yo, in fact, wow. is, I don't even know if I'm capable. You know, We'll find out. It's like when you get in the ring. You're not sure if you're going to win. There's no guarantees, you know? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) We'll find out. Yo, that's a happy training to you, brother. Like, makes me think. I I was trying to do the New York City Marathon next month. Unfortunately, couldn't get a bib, so I guess I got to push it to Uh, next year. But you go off and do do five marathons (laughs) in a row within five days in the desert, bro. But you know how it is. Like you said, that's where it starts, man. That's where it starts. You have – you still – because I saw for a while you would turn up the training really hard there as far as the sparring and stuff like that. How's that going? What's going on with uh, with boxing? It's good, man. You know, it's still uh, uh, on the list for me to do at least one professional fight. Um, uh, Unfortunately, it's a little harder, you know, when you have kids and other responsibilities as far as business. So. When yeah. I find the right show that 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 I want to be on to showcase my skill set at a professional level, I'm gonna hop in full force into a training camp. I'm training every day, but you know, it's you can't keep a training camp intensity 365, 52 weeks of the year. Your body yeah. just and your mind. Um, before I even started the record button, I was I was taking supplements. Right now, I take stuff for my brain health. You know, the omegas and. And I do the the alpha brain from on it to, to strengthen my brain because we've taken physical, it comes with a price, right? Fighting, fighting uh, the, yeah. the brain trauma we take and I'm in it for the long run, man. So definitely both sides of it I'm looking after and, and being smart and strategic with it, just like how I did with my boxing career and, and being able to compete, but also build a business that was going to- It's not easy to do, man. You've done an incredible job. And then you add in two kids on the plate, man. I mean, honestly, bro, you you talk about looking up to you. I mean, looking up to somebody, man. That is incredible. Uh, I I have trouble juggling just the bare minimum of, you know, wiping my own ass and taking care of myself along with the other stuff. You you got a dog too now, so you you get it a little bit. That's a very small taste. And I tell you, bro, it is eye-opening though, isn't it? Like I think just having to be responsible, like you said, for anything outside of yourself uh, is hard. But uh, again, I'd imagine very good. 
Oh, I appreciate you, brother. You inspire me too. Um, and for everyone to, to check, check you out. Um, Instagram is, is your main source of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of contact Brian. and content. Look up Brian Cubero on Instagram. Um, reach out to him. He, he, he'll start a dialogue with them. I mean, you could see it's, it's just fun having a conversation with this gentleman right here. Brian, I appreciate you for coming on the show and, and thank love, you for man. sharing the story. Until next time, y'all, you keep that maestro mentality. You keep elevating yourself so you can elevate those around you, baby. That's right. Good stuff.